This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. In the early hours of Thursday morning, Vladimir Putin followed through on his persistent threat to invade Ukraine. The capital, Kyiv, remains under siege from Russian forces and, as of this morning, the country's second largest city, Kharkiv, is also seeing fighting on its streets. Speaking to Trevor Phillips, the Foreign Secretary Liz Truss said it was important for everyone to recognise that the repercussions would be felt for a long time to come. It's reported this morning you said that this could be 10 years. This could be a number of years. Because what we do know is Russia have strong forces, but we know that the Ukrainians are brave, that they're determined to stand up for their sovereignty and territorial integrity, and they're determined to fight. And the sanctions that we are putting in place, and they are very, very tough sanctions, cutting the Russian economy at its knees, cutting access to the Western system. We've banned Aeroflot from flying into the United Kingdom Uh, We're targeting key oligarchs. We've got a hit list of oligarchs. But these will take time to have an effect and debilitate the Russian economy. We need to wean Europe off uh, Russian oil and gas. This will take time. So this is not going to be, I fear, over quickly, but we need to be prepared for a very long haul. Labour have called on the government to remove barriers for fleeing Ukrainians to come to the UK. The bureaucracy involved in processing visas, including questions about family connections and earnings, has been attacked for causing unnecessary hardship. Trust defended the government's handling of the process so far. People in Ukraine are saying, we have to travel to Lviv to get uh, a visa in Ukraine. If we want a British visa, we have to get out of Ukraine to Poland or Romania or Moldova. That is not easy. That is not welcoming. Why not simply say that people who can get from Ukraine to here, who have uh, relatives, who have a place to go, will have at least a temporary visa, and then you can do the investigations and all of that. Why not be clear about it today? Because in in, uh, Kyiv, what they're hearing is the British aren't that keen on you coming. Well, first of all, I can completely say that is not true. Uh, The United Kingdom does welcome refugees and we want to do all we can to support Ukraine. Economically, we're supporting the humanitarian effort. I had a call last night with the United Nations about how we support uh, making sure the humanitarian uh, response is completely in place, how we protect humanitarian corridors out of Ukraine. So we are doing all that work. Uh, I know it's difficult, and and I completely appreciate the difficult of communications in Ukraine. There is an online system that people can use uh, to apply for visas. But as I say, we are looking urgently, Trevor, we're looking urgently at what more we can do to support people in Ukraine. But But I want to send a very strong message. The United Kingdom welcomes refugees. Sophie Rayworth also interviewed Trust and asked her about President Volodymyr Zelensky's call for an international legion of volunteers, especially in the face of Putin's capacity for mass destruction. President Zelensky has has asked for people from abroad to to join an an international force. Would you support that? I do do support that. 
and of course uh, that is something that people can make their own decisions about but support, they are they are fighting the people of Ukraine are fighting for freedom and democracy not just for Ukraine but for the whole of Europe because that is what President Putin is challenging and absolutely if people want to support that struggle I would support them in doing that. So you support Britain, people from Britain, going over to Ukraine to help in the fight? Absolutely, if that's what they want to do. And we are doing all we can to support with defensive weapons. Last night we saw the Germans are contributing defensive weapons now for the first time. The UK led, we were the first European country to supply defensive weapons into Ukraine, but we are now seeing our allies doing that. The Defence Secretary held a donor conference on Friday. We had 25 countries turning up. And we are seeing a huge united effort across the G7, across our allies, to challenge Vladimir Putin. Because this is Putin's war. This is prefabricated, preordained aggression to try and subvert a sovereign democracy. And we simply cannot allow him to succeed. How far do you think President Putin will go? Do you think he is capable of using a chemical, even a nuclear attack? Well, I fear that this will be a bloody and long-running conflict. But senior Russian officials should be aware that if they do go into that arena, they could well be tried for war crimes in the future. I mean, this would be extremely serious escalation of the situation. Rayworth turned to the prospect of inflation and other economic turbulence brought about by sanctions on Russia. It is going to hit people hard here economically, isn't it? It's the cost of living is going to rise even more. That is correct. That is correct. But the pain that we will face in the United Kingdom is nothing like the pain that people in Ukraine are currently facing. They are having to take up arms in the face of an appalling dictator using untold weapons on their country. And that is what we have to remember. And we aren't just fighting for the people of Ukraine and the sovereignty of Ukraine. We're fighting for freedom and democracy. And that has a very high cost for us. So it is right that we are prepared to take an economic hit because the alternative of allowing Putin to succeed will be far worse for peace and democracy across Europe. Phillips also interviewed the Shadow Foreign Secretary David Lamy, asking him about Keir Starmer's proposal to show the door to the Russian ambassador Andrei Kellin. Your leader said yesterday that the uh, Russian ambassador should be thrown out of this country. Uh, how would that help? He came to Parliament a few weeks ago and we asked him, uh, what is Russia d doing with troops on the border? He denied that Russia was building troops. Has Russia got plans to come into the country? Uh, he said, no, they do not want to invade Ukraine. We've had lie after lie. And just as other countries have said, look, to their ambassadors, leave our country, it is time for him to leave our country. Well, uh, I don't want to make too big a thing about this, but I think it was the British who coined the phrase that a diplomat is uh, a man or person sent abroad to life for his country. But let me just ask you again, what, how would that make any difference to the people of Ukraine? Uh, and who would, if there was no Russian ambassador, who would you pick up the phone to to uh, pursue the diplomatic channels that you've been talking about? Trevor, uh, we are currently in a situation effectively of 
war from Russia to Ukraine. That's what we've got. Uh, we are now going to cut Russia out of the financial system. Uh, the posture of Vladimir Putin will be very, uh, or our relationship, sorry, with Vladimir Putin will be very hard to recover over the coming, uh, coming weeks because clearly, um, clearly he is determined, if you listen to him, uh, to exact a price on the Ukrainian government, uh, and he is threatening in relation to the West. Of course, given the lies that he has told, consistent with the pariah state that Russia has now become, no country in the UN supporting this action, we should say to his Russian ambassador that he should leave the country. Phillips challenged Lamy over Labour's calls for sanctions on Vladimir Putin, suggesting that the party was trying to sound tough without making much difference. Is it genuinely your contention that if we deprive Mr Putin of Jaguar cars, Wedgwood, crockery and chocolate truffles, which are the only three things on that list which he can only pretty much get from Britain, that that's going to change his mind? Trevor, with all seriousness, we have been raising consistently, implementing in full the Russia report, Dealing yeah, with my, dirty my point is actually money. about seriousness. Dealing with those that was shell the first companies. Thing on your list and of, of course, things to in do. relation to luxury goods, we're talking about oligarchs that it come to London. the first point on your list of five things. And I'm actually asking about your and seriousness. That's why yeah. you include them on the list. Do you think that will actually change anybody's mind? It's part of a package of messages that, of course, we've been calling for. And that includes the export of luxury goods alongside all of those banks, many of which aren't mentioned, alongside naming the hundred oligarchs, dealing with those entities, dealing with family members, all of it consistent with us cutting Russia out of the financial system and squeezing Putin, the people around him, and indeed the ability for him to finance war, squeezing him very hard indeed. And finally, the former head of the UK's Joint Forces Command, Sir Chris Deverell, gave Phillips his assessment of Vladimir Putin's enormous gamble. I, I think that Putin may well have enough troops to take control of uh, large swathes of the country to, to um, bring to a point the end of the direct military confrontation. But I just can't see how he has enough troops to maintain that control across uh, a country of 44 million people, um, the size it is, uh, uh, even with extraordinary violent repression, which I'm sure he would he would use, especially since um, the, the people will, are never going to forgive him um, and lots of other countries will likely lend support to an insurgency. So I, I, I must say I don't understand how he thinks this ends well for him. I think he's made an absolutely major miscalculation. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman and this podcast was produced by Matthew Taylor. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffeehouse Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily evening blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week. <laughs>